Money FM 89.3, best of prime time. Market View on Money FM 89.3. You're listening to Money FM 89.3. I'm Chua Tian with your Market View. Now, yesterday we talked about ongoing volatilities within mainland China and in Hong Kong. Now, today we are going to continue that conversation after China's broad fiscal deficit hit an all time high in the first nine months of this year. Now, down under, inflation in Australia rose to 7.3% on year in the third quarter. What will it take for the Reserve Bank of Australia to keep prices in check? And with the US Federal Reserve announcing its rate decision next week, can we expect any pleasant surprises towards the end of the year with speculation of slower interest rate hikes? Lots of questions here. And to help us answer all of that, uh, I have with me Mohamed Zaidi, Investment Director and Head of Research at Nico Asset Management Group. Hi, Mohamed. How are you? Good afternoon. I'm doing well, in spite of the markets. Glad that you're doing well. And uh, let's hope that the markets treat us well as well. Uh, So, Mohamed, let's get started. China's broad fiscal deficit hit an all-time high in the first nine months of this year. The number is 7.16 trillion yuan or 1.39 trillion sing dollars. What are the biggest contributors to this? So, I mean, let's just put that number into context. It's roughly about three times what the normal number would be in, in Chinese, all right? And if you go back to the height of COVID in the U.S., or even in Singapore, the budget deficits hit about a three, time of, uh, three times of the average. The U.S. was minus 16%, and Singapore was almost minus 5%, right? So uh, a three times bigger budget deficit in times of uh, supporting the economy um, in, in COVID lockdown is, is the norm now almost, right? The, looking, looking at history in China, sort of, lagging in that you know we're getting a post view instead of a preview of, of what's already happened um if you look at the where the spending happened it's in two parts so the first part is half that is going to local government largely supporting the income shortfalls from property sales and property tax revenue etc um, the second half is what you would expect it's on education social security science employment support healthcare. All the normal things that you would provide to an economy to support it in, in times of need. Right. And you talked about the worsening property crisis in China. Uh, we talked about the COVID-19 lockdowns as well. The government mm-hmm. spending all those money to keep the economy in check. But for how long can China keep up with that strong fiscal spending to bolster the economy? I think if you ask any government, they'll say as long as it takes. I don't think the Chinese government will be <laughs> any different. <laughs> because, right. because, you, because you put an economy in lockdown and it's... Uh, you know, what drives the economy is spending and investment, roughly. Um, and when the consumers aren't spending, the government has to spend. And it's just how long the government can afford to keep spending is the question you're asking. Um, and I would say in a closed capital account, or as long as the government is able to issue bonds, they can spend for as long as, as the, somebody could be buying their bonds. Um, it's, not, it's not endless, but I would say it'll, in China's case, it's probably at least another few quarters they, they can easily continue to do this before they got to mm. open up and all right well, and, before, uh, before they start before they start to think about hmm i think the <laughs> bills are adding up <laughs> right and uh, muhammad chinese president xi jinping also uh, tightening his grip on power in the meantime that seemed to have dealt a blow to markets so far reports are saying that about 447 billion us dollars has been wiped out the day after c brooks china's collective leadership so what is the outlook for mainland china markets then the stock market leadership changes uh, over time 
know, what, what were the leaders in the, in the stock market in the 1990s weren't early there in the early 2000s and aren't there in the in the in, you know mid-teens the 2000s and again we're seeing a change in i think we're seeing a change in leadership uh, in china and unfortunately this time the leadership change is rather abrupt as we saw overnight and, and it's because of changes in future expectations uh, of growth and returns of the companies that were the leaderboards right? there were there were the, the big big companies uh, on, on the stock market um, having said that uh, the, Ch the Chinese government has made very clear where their investment priorities are and they've already published a, a list called little beasts um, which is largely hardware manufacturing um, technology is where they want the money to go so I would guess in the next five years or so you'll get a new leadership uh, in in the stock market um, so to me this is just an evolution so the investment opportunities are always there. It's just the opportunity set will be changing going forward. Right. Mm -hmm. And I would like to take a look, uh, Mohammed, mm -hmm. at the Chinese yuan as well. Reuters reported that state-owned banks in China, they sold US dollars to defend the weakening currency earlier in the week. Um, mm -hmm. Knowing what we know about China's leadership going forward and how it's dealing with lockdowns and the fiscal deficit, uh, can we expect more intervention down the road? And where do you see the yuan moving against the dollar? Again, the history of the yuan is it, it, it strengthened from about eight um, after it entered the WTO and it's now weakening again. Um, it is a, a managed float. It's facing a few headwinds at the moment. One, the US dollar is strong against everybody. And two, from a trading partner's perspective, the yuan is actually lagging, right? Uh, as from a, from a competitive perspective, trade competitiveness, the Korean won and the Japanese yen are a lot weaker. So their goods are a lot more attractive to foreigners. Um, so I would guess that the, to remain competitive, um, China will have to continue to devalue its currency. The other way to think about it very quickly is um, as the Chinese dependency on the US dollar changes and its trade with other countries improves, you might get the effect of a weaker yuan against the dollar and a stronger yuan against other currencies. So I don't think the uh, dollar will be. You, you might you might get a dual hmm. dual currency world. I see. And meantime, uh, Mohammed, Hong mm -hmm. Kong markets have been very volatile of late, after of course that Congress and also amid all the ongoing volatilities too. Can we expect any form of stability soon? There's always stability in the markets, and there's always volatility in the markets, and that's called animal spirits. <laughs> so, <laughs> I, I, I would say the answer to your question depends on the data and the information that investors get. Um, barring any further surprises, I would guess we will return to business as usual and start looking at companies and earnings. Um, so yes, I would expect stability, barring any other surprises. Right, and how soon this week? At the end of this week, well, so. you've got you've got the uh, Australian central bank raising, you know, um, change, right. announcing rate hikes or rate uh, next week. You've got the Federal Reserve as well, so mm -hmm. and you've got an OPEC meeting coming up um, as well. So yeah, there's a lot happening. So I would say okay. the bouts of volatility, you you'll be you'll get waves. Okay. Uh, if you're just tuning in, we're now speaking to Mohammad Zaidi, Investment Director and Head of Research at Nico Asset Management Group. And uh, Mohammad, in South Korea, SK Hynix reported third quarter operating profit that uh, was 60% lower from a year ago and also below market estimates. And it mm -hmm. says it would reduce investment in 2023 by over 50% annually. Mm -hmm. So have the post-pandemic demand surge and chip shortage come to an end? 
and what clues can we get on the semicon sector? So the semicon sector again, just again, I'm just putting things in context, is, is a very cyclical sector, um, uh, and it is a capital intensive sector. So on average, your your large companies will be spending for business as usual anywhere from say 10 to 15 billion dollars a year. That, that's their normal capex. Um, and in, in good times, they'll spend a lot more. In bad times, they'll spend a lot less. Um, and sales growth or earnings growth can be 25% to negative 5%. You know, and, and the, sh- the cycles tend to be short. So we've had a very short, sharp up cycle. And now we're entering the down cycle. And the down cycle might be short and sharp as well. Right. Do you expect any dampener hmm. effect from that? those U.S. regulations on yes. high-tech ships? Is that a big dampener, a big contributor to those numbers and estimates that we are seeing right now? Yes, so the, the biggest impact will be effectively a loss of a market. So the, the China market, and especially in the high-end chips and, and uh, equipment, was a substantial size of whoever you talk to in terms of either a U.S. company or Korean company or even a Japanese company uh, or a European company. They were, they were all uh, anywhere from, say, 15 to 30%, depending on the, on the product you're looking at. If they lose that market completely, then obviously that's an that's a excess supply in the market, uh, which will affect investment and, and pricing. Right. Uh, meantime, uh, Mohammed, Australia, inflation there rose to 7.3% in the third quarter on a year-on-year basis. Uh, that's up from the 6.1% we saw in Q2. So where do you think rates will need to be to keep inflation in check? And when will we reach that point for Australia? Yeah. Rates are a very blunt instrument for, for managing inflation. Um, the best way to manage inflation is, is through dampening demand or increasing supply. So, the, and the, I think the central, uh, the, the Reserve Bank of Australia recognizes that and has slowed down their rate hikes from 50 basis points to 25. And the next rate hike expected is also 25 basis points, which is slower than expected. That will still leave them uh, with negative real rates of almost 4.5%, which is a very large number given that they used to run largely a neutral rate. So I think what the, the uh, what the, cent- the Reserve Bank of Australia is trying to do is manage the decline in expecting a, man- a managed decline in inflation with slowing economic growth, and so they can slow down their their rate rises and hopefully in the next 12 months or so the two will be closer. They, they really don't want to shock the economy anymore. Right, and talking about more shocks and surprises, before we go, Mohammed, just one very quick question. I'd like to look at the U.S. It's announcing its rate decision next week, and with U.S. consumer confidence data down to a three-month low in October, analysts are saying how the Fed will act remains a wild card. We may not see a smaller rate hike next week, but there are increasing hopes of a smaller rate hike in December. So what are your thoughts on this? I, mean, I don't think that the, the Fed, to me, is not a wild card. They've been signaling their aggression in, man, in dampening inflation for, for a while now, for months. Um, so I think they will continue on that path, uh, irrespective of what the consumer confidence numbers are. Just the mortgage rates hit 7% in the US. That, that's a very high number. The property market is starting to slow down. So the main things that, the, that they're watching for are inflation expectations, the longer term inflation expectations, short term inflation, wage inflation as well. And they need to see if all of those start to come down before they will, I think, before they will slow down. So I have a feeling that this Fed will be more aggressive than people expect. So 75 basis points and also 75 basis points in December or a 50? 75 and then 75 or 50. Um, I, I, I would guess it's, if, if inflation stays where it is and we have a fairly harsh winter and OPEC decides to 
mm. cut or hold uh, its um, oil production, we can probably get another 75. Right. And mm -hmm. uh, do you think we'll, we will see further shocks to Asian markets as a result of where the Fed is going? Uh, yes, I think that the shocks to the Asian markets will come from in the rise in the inflation next year. Energy and food prices will start to trickle through next year here. And the, if the Fed keeps rising, raising rates, the stronger dollar is start, going to start impacting um, currencies and the central bank's ability to defend their currencies. The central banks here are spending a lot of money defending currencies. Mm. Sing, not not Singapore. Singapore sitting on a, on a lot of money and, <laughs> and can, 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 can manage its currency. But the, but the other ASEAN countries um, mm. may have to slow down and let their currency slide. I'm sure. And thanks, Mohammed. That was Mohammed Zaidi, Investment Director and Head of Research at Nikko Asset Management Group. Thanks for joining us here on Money FM 89.3. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance.